Good morning. My name is Adam, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Miamisburg Christian Church. And it's been really cool to have church, even though we can't be together. We miss being together. We can't wait to be back in our building, but it's been really fun to see everybody saying hi in the comments and participating as we uh, stay connected through technology, and we're thankful for technology, um, and we're doing what we can to stay connected in this time, to keep some certain things together. Here, if you could have seen everything that we had to do to get this video filmed, you would have heard the sub pump go off. You would hear the kids jumping around upstairs and, and playing. And I'm sure that that's happened for you if you're anything like us as you try to participate in church at 11 o'clock on Sunday, your kids are playing. And that's, that's okay because it's not about perfection, right? It's just about continuing to show up. It's about continuing to prioritize the right things. And so we're gonna to continue to prioritize holding on to learning from God's word, holding on to staying connected in whatever way we can in this season, and holding on to being people who live on mission for God's kingdom, who step up for those who are vulnerable, who show up for people who need presence, who need people to come around them. And so we're gonna be those people. One of the things that has really helped me in this time has been the Bible app, specifically plans with friends. I got invited to participate in a journey to the cross Bible reading plan with from my father-in-law. It's with people from my family and friends of the family. And Emily and I were talking about that plan today. And we were talking about specifically the second paragraph in the devotional thought. Because we're in this sermon series called Three Days, where we look at these familiar stories of Jesus's last hours on earth and, and these critical three days in our faith. And we're centered in on and looked at the historical reality of all of these uh, moments. And today we're going to look at the crucifixion. And as we were talking about it, Emily and I, we thought about this, uh, this paragraph. It says this, as Jesus approached his death, he said, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw people to myself. And that's in John 12, 32. And at first it seems that Jesus is talking about his coming entrance into heaven. But the following verse explains that Jesus is referring to his crucifixion. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. John's gospel builds toward the climactic hour when Jesus being lifted up on the cross is the moment that he's enthroned in glory. From the bruised heel of Genesis 3.15 to the reigning lamb of Revelation 22, the Bible tells the story of a crucified Messiah who is glorified through suffering. What we, what we see over and over again in the Gospels, in the New Testament, and Scripture in general, it's that in God's kingdom, suffering and glory are inextricably intertwined. They're not opposites, but they're something that suffering brings out an opportunity for God to be glorified. And so if you're going through suffering, your obedience to what he has for you in that time most glorifies him. Jesus was lifted up and he drew people to himself. And in our suffering, our obedience to God and his will shows that as we walk out this life that our Father in heaven has for us, we can bring glory to him no matter what's going on in our life. So confidently, we can look forward no matter what tomorrow holds or next week holds because we know who holds our eternity and we're going to hold on to that. And so today specifically, we're going to look at the time when Jesus was lifted up. We're going to look at the crucifixion, the most famous killing in all of history. And today's not violence free, but we're going to look at the historical reality. We're going to spend time in this very familiar story 
and hopefully remember the price that was paid so that we could be called sons and daughters of God. And we can realize that Jesus did this on purpose. Because we're going to walk away with one big idea. And it's that Jesus chose the cross. He chose to be obedient to the cross. He wasn't victim to, he wasn't powerless to escape it. He chose to be obedient to his Father's will so that he could reconcile all people back to himself. And so we're going to walk with him over these last few hours. We're going to look at what transpired in this day. And so if you would, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew 27. If you have a Bible app, we're going to be reading from Matthew 27 primarily and some other things. I'll be reading from the CSB. Matthew 27, starting in verse 32, it says this. As they were going out, they found a Cyrene man named Simon, and they forced him to carry his, Jesus' cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they gave him wine and mixed it with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After crucifying him, they divided his clothes by casting lots. Then they sat down and were guarding him there. Above his head, they put the charge against him, writing, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. You see, Jesus had been beaten already, flogged. He'd been struck 39 times by a cat of nine tails. A cat of nine tails is a, a whip with nine strands of leather, and intertwined in those strands of leather are, are bones and rocks, so that when it's struck upon a back, it, it grabs the flesh and it rips it open. And Jesus had already had that. 40 times would have been legal death, and 39 times is what Jesus got. So he's already in a bad spot before he even gets the cross. And then he's given the cross and he has to walk it up to the top of this hill called the place of the skull because the, the face of it kind of resembled a skull and so they called it that. And it was this place where people died. But Jesus couldn't carry his cross and so he had to have somebody walk alongside him and help him carry it. And so Simon of Cyrene carried the cross up to the top of the hill where Jesus was then laid down on the cross, already beaten back already opened up, already struggling a lot because his body was broken and his blood was shed. And then he's laid down on the cross. Nails through his hands and feet. And then he's lifted up and set down. And above him was the charge, the king of the Jews. This mocking charge. Because here was the king hanging on a cross. We often think about the cross really tall and this like imposing thing, but really it would have been lower to the ground because the Romans wanted criminals to be mocked as people walked by. And we see that happening to Jesus here next in Matthew uh, 27, starting in verse 38. It says, Then two criminals were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him and shaking their heads. And they were saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, they mocked him and they said, he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let, him, let God rescue him now. And if he takes pleasure in him, for he said, I'm the son of God. In the same way, even the criminals who were crucified with him taunted him. And so there's Jesus choosing this suffering and choosing to be obedient to his Father's will on the cross. 
When I was younger, I, I always had trouble with the way that Jesus interacted in these last few days as he was in the, the temple and as he was before Pilate and he was on the cross. I just wanted him to argue and be like, well, actually, well, this is what's going to happen because I was that kid, right? I wanted to be right and I wanted everybody to know that I was right. And especially if somebody pointed out that I was wrong, I wanted to set them straight. And I, so I wanted Jesus to do the same thing. But as I've grown up, I, I realized that that takes unbelievable confidence and unbelievable strength from Jesus to restrain himself, to allow himself to be beaten, to allow himself to be hung on a cross, to stay silent when you're being mocked, when you're being mocked and labeled as something you actually are, but they're saying that to you as an insult. It takes such strength and such confidence and such willingness to fulfill the mission to just be silent and continue doing what you're doing. And Jesus does that. Confidently, he accepts the suffering because this is what he has to do. We continue the story in Matthew 27, verses 45 and 46. It says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus has been on the cross for about six hours because before Pilate at nine in the morning and now it's from 12 to three. And so it's been about six hours that Jesus has been going through this whole thing. And over the whole earth comes this darkness. In the middle of the day, this eerie darkness comes over the land and it's almost like darkness is mocking the one who was called the light of the world. But in that time, sin was being heaped on Jesus. In that time, he was taking upon him every sin, every iniquity, every mistake, every selfish decision, every lie, every bit of greed. He was taking it on himself. And you see that because in the next, the next thing that Jesus says is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because on the cross, Jesus is experiencing for the first time in his life, the utter separation from God that was necessary for him to take on the sin of the world. He who knew no sin became all sin on the cross. And he had to be separated from his Father in heaven. And it crushed him. Because separation is crushing sometimes. Loneliness is crushing sometimes. And I'm sure many of us feel that right now. We feel the weight of loneliness. Phone calls can get us through from time to time, but we can't wait to be with our friends and loved ones again and give hugs and high fives instead of elbow bumps and whatever else. We can't wait to be connected again and in the same place again. And that's what we so look forward to when we can open up our building and be together. Jesus too experienced loneliness, but on a scale that we can't ever get to because he was separated for one moment from his father in heaven and it was crushing to him but he had every sin heaped on him. And darkness was mocking. And darkness seemed everywhere. 
But we know this isn't where the story ends. We know the story doesn't end with Jesus dying on the cross. We know that we get to celebrate Sunday coming. This was just the darkest part of night before the dawn. This was just the precursor to what we get to celebrate when we gather together for Easter, when we get to celebrate the resurrection from the grave. This is just that final moment where darkness thought it had confident victory, but it actually hadn't. And the story continues here in Matthew 27, 50, and it says this. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and suddenly gave up his spirit. Jesus gave up his spirit. And that's the part that, 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 that always resonates with me and shows me again Jesus' power in this moment. He gave up his spirit. And the scripture makes very important note of that, that he gave up his spirit after a certain amount of time. He had to do this work on the cross. He had to fulfill these prophecies. In Isaiah 53.5, it says, But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we're healed by his wounds. You see, that prophecy came in the midst of a sacrificial system of repeated sacrifice. Always another sacrifice to cover your sin debt that you had already incurred and you could never get ahead of the game. You were constantly in debt to your sin and you were constantly working to get back to God, to get back to God, to, to make up for those sins and those mistakes. And Hebrews makes it very clear that Jesus was going to be different than that. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10 verses 11 and 12. He says, Every priest stands day after day, ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, but this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. This man sat down in victory after offering one sacrifice for all sins forever. And that's the Jesus that we get to celebrate. And that's the confidence that we get to have in the work of Jesus on the cross. We get to know that this crucifixion, as dark as it seemed and as dark as life can seem sometimes, there's mourning coming because there's confident victory afterwards. Afterwards, we get to see Jesus' power on full display. And we know that the crucifixion is just a setup to the punchline. And the punchline being the resurrection that we celebrate every week, but especially on Easter. Matthew 27, 50 said that after some time that he had yelled out something and then he gave up his spirit. And if you have just read Matthew, you got to wonder, what's he saying there? John saw fit to write down exactly what was said here. And in John 19.30, it says, When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Then, bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. And so what's finished in this time? What's finished is, the sin debt that we could never overcome without Jesus. What's finished is every lie, every selfish act, every bit of greed, everything that would separate us from God is finished completely and our debt is paid for. There's this funny word that's used in the Greek New Testament for the phrase, it is finished, and it's this word to telestai. 
tetelestai was uh, a word that they that debt collectors would use to mark an account closed. And so what they use to talk about Jesus finishing the work on the cross is the same word that's used to mark debts closed. What he's saying on the cross is your debt and my debt and everything that would separate us from God is closed and finished. My work on the cross finishes all of that. And we can walk confidently in that for eternity. So every week when we get together, every week we take bread and we take juice and we remember the price that was paid so that our debt could be paid forever and we could walk again as children of God. We could be reconciled to Him and that we could follow His example. And so we are blown away in this time by story after story of those who are living heroically and selflessly because it matches the example that we see Jesus making. And so we are beyond grateful for healthcare workers and first responders who go into danger so that others could be rescued. We're blown away by their heroism because it matches the sacrifice that we've seen our Savior make. They're putting themselves in danger for strangers, but they're trying to save their lives. And so whatever inconvenience that we might face, we too will embrace selflessness in this time because it's the example that Jesus said. And our sacrifice might be small compared to some, but it's our sacrifice that we can make and it's our selflessness that we can walk in because we're going to follow confidently, courageously, not cynically, but we're going to follow with hope and confidence the example laid out for us by Jesus. We're going to do our part so the heroes in the healthcare system, so the heroes who are first responders can do their work in saving as many lives as possible. And in that, we get to be like Jesus. And so look for ways to continue representing the kingdom well by speaking hope, by speaking joy, by speaking confidence, by speaking about a God who has a plan for us even through this and who has our eternity secure. And so as you take the bread and the juice, remember the price that was paid for our sin and be committed again to living in the kingdom following the example of Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the sacrifice, for the price that you paid for our sin. And we pray that we would never waver but we ask for grace for all the times that we do. Help us to look forward to you, to being reunited with you, to walking with you, and being your people. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.